I want you this morning uh, to read along with me in the book of Psalms, chapter 37. And I want you to turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 37, and mark that for just a moment. And I want to get back to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Again, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 37, hold that for just a moment. And I want to turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. And as you're turning to these couple of places this morning, and we'll read in a few others in just a little bit, there's a, a, a phrase or a saying that probably many of us are well acquainted with when we start talking about quality versus quantity. When we say quality versus quantity, that applies in so many different areas. Whether it's a, a local contractor doing work, whether it's health care that's provided that you won't Better health care, not more of it, but better. Maybe we talk about food supplies that we want better, not just more of that. But you know, I, I even heard it said many years ago, and it really set with me that the statement was made that I hope that 10% of the people that, uh, that I have seen say they're saved are really saved. Folks, I hope that's 100%. I don't hope that we're after numbers. I hope that we're not after what the value of what somebody else may say something is. I've always found it amazing that when you get into certain items, especially sentimental items, that the value is not in what society puts a, a, a claim to, it's in what you consider it to be. A vehicle, I know that there's books out there that give you the, the value of a vehicle. There, there's value of property and there's value of so many things. But this morning, what is... What is your quality versus quantity as far as the riches that God has given you? I'm going to read two places. We're going to read if we can, and we'll talk about that a little more. Philippians chapter 4, and in verse 12 says this. I know both how to be abased, but he goes on to say, and I also know how to abound. I know when he uses the word abound, he's saying, Paul says, I know how to live in abundance. For I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. That sounds kind of contradictory when you say that we're supposed to both be full and to be hungry. Now we're going to hold on to that concept and we'll think about that a little bit. Let's go back to the book of Psalms for just a minute, if you mark there. Psalms chapter 37 and verse 16. I want you to take inventory of your life. Quantity versus quality. A little that a righteous man, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. This morning, I want you to know that you are looking at a person that is wealthy. Not wealthy because of what I have or assets or anything like that. But it's because of the blessings that God has given us. People struggle with being content. People struggle with being satisfied with what God has given them. This morning, I ask you a simple question. Are you satisfied with what God's done for your soul? 
God said that he teaches us and he reminds us in his word that yes, we're supposed to be hungry, but we're also supposed to be filled. That if we turn to him for the hunger, he'll supply those needs. Notice what he talks about. A little righteous man, little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches. Now those riches, I, I love that word. When I started digging into it and reading about those riches, it talks about the, the things that are the buzz. In other words, the things that are the trending things. I don't have to tell you how catchy things can be. You ever notice how trends go? Oh, there, there's all kinds of things that are trending. Clothing trends. Isn't it amazing how the clothing trends and, and cars trend and, and house styles trend and the colors of house trend and all these things trend. But aren't you glad that in the middle of all these things that trend, we, we serve a God that never changes? If we served a God that changed or a God that had variance to Him, then you and I would say, well, God, I want this and that. The truth is, we must be content because God's given us exactly what we need. When you inventory your life, what do you have? And that's not a question you have to answer to me. But when you inventory your life, when you look at the quality versus the quantity, our life wants more and more and more and more and more. But the truth is, it's the quality. It's a whole lot more important than the quantity. For a little that is righteous man, for a little that a righteous man hath is better than riches. There's a lot of people in this life that ought to realize is that God has been good to us. We sing a song sometimes, and the, the name of it, I believe, is called Further Along. And in that song, it talks about how that, that, that we, we struggle and we wonder why others prosper. Why is it today that the world seems rich? Why is it that the world seems to be happy? Why is it that people are growing? Or why is it that people are, are experiencing all these wonderful things and yet there are those that are struggling? I remember one time it talked about how the, the, when the, when the uh, caterpillar goes into the cocoon that, that it begins to open up, that it has to struggle to get out because that pushes the fluids behind so that it's able to fly. Sometimes struggles in life are meant to make us to be closer to God and be thankful that God has made us who we are. So this morning, listen to what, what the psalmist is saying. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many people. Many of the, the wicked, he said there, the, all the evil that's going on, we, we ask ourselves, Lord, why do others prosper? Why are others experiencing these things? Why are others growing and happy and, and, and experiencing all this prosperity, but yet here I am struggling along the way? Have you ever asked yourself that? Sometimes I have to say, Lord, why me? Why me, Lord? But when you really inventory your life and you realize what the quality is versus the quantity, we get to a place that we understand that God is good to us. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, <clears throat> I want to turn over and read for just a minute. Proverbs, chapter 10, and I want to begin reading in the <clears throat> first verse. Let's talk about prosperity. Let's talk about the, the, the quality versus the quantity equation that we talk about. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Treasure of wickedness profit nothing. 
Our economy and our society will tell you that it's all about the market or it's all about how things are trending and how things are going. Again, I'm going to go back to something that is unchanged. Our market, I will give you this, our market changes. Many of you, or most of you, or many of you probably follow the trends of our markets. It's ups and it's downs. And For example, the gas gets higher, sometimes it gets lower, higher and lower. It's kind of a trending thing, but remember this. If you're following after a market or you're after something that trends, we serve a God that does not change. We go through seasons of highs and seasons of lows, seasons of prosperity, seasons of, uh, of times of despair. But in the midst of all of these things, God is always the same. God never changes. God never has a variance about Him. He is always the same. And the truth is, what He blesses you and I with, that never changes either. We are blessed. For He said, the little that the righteous man hath. It's what we have here in the book of Proverbs. Treasure of wickedness profit nothing. There's a, a lesson that we're going to see here in Proverbs chapter 10. Prosperity and all the things that people have in their life. Let's read if we can in that second verse. Treasure of wicked profit us nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. Again, notice what he talks about, that, that wealth has limitations. Do you see that this morning here in Proverbs? Treasure of wickedness profit nothing. Folks, there's limitations on what? Power and prestige can get you in life. There's very little. You can have everything at your fingertips. We can have everything that we could ever desire. But it's all about that inventory of where we truly are with God and what God has given us. When you look at what God's done for you, do you consider yourself poor or rich? Do you consider yourself that God has given you above what you deserve? Or maybe that God owes you or that you... God is indebted to you, folks. When we get to that point in our life and we realize that God has given us more than we deserve, we can live a very blessed life. We are blessed this morning. But the problem is people are blinded to blessedness. They're blinded because they want more or they expect more. Or probably uh, the, the, the greatest of them all, people feel entitled to more. Folks, none of us are entitled to a relationship with God. But aren't you glad today that God wants to bless us and give us these things in our life? But we have to see the riches that God has given us. How many people in their life today don't have, but yet they don't, it's not that they don't have the, the, the material things, they don't have the spiritual peace in their life that you and I have. How many of you this morning are okay that before you leave this place and God said today is the day you're leaving this world, how many of us this morning are at peace with that? And then the question may be how many people are not? You want to talk about riches? You want to talk about prosperity in life? If you are at peace with God, you have great wealth in your life. Now, everything else can fall apart. Don't get me wrong, it has. It will. All kinds of things will transpire in your life. But listen to this verse. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. The prosperity and all the things this world has, it's going to be short-lived. Proverbs 10 and verse 2 tells us this. The Lord, he talks about, that third verse, the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. Did you hear that? Let me read that to you again. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. If you have a need in your life, it's not because God cannot supply it for you. It's because we don't want it. 
Or instead, let's fill it with something else. If you're hungry, then what do we fill ourselves with? If we have a need in our life, what do we fill it with? Listen to that third verse. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famine. But he goes on to say, But he casteth away the substance of the wicked. You know, a lot of people today are losing And what I mean by losing is they gain worldly things and they gain worldly treasures. They gain worldly fame. They gain worldly treasures and all these things that we have. But those things go. Let me tell you something about your health right now. You might be in good health today, but who's to say what tomorrow holds? Maybe you have something today that that you cherish or something that is very valuable. Do you know this? That your jobs may be gone tomorrow. I hate to tell you this, but do you know before we get home, our homes could be gone. So many things in our life that we have can be gone or they can change from us in a very instant. And that's why my heart sinks when that phone rings in an hour it should not ring. That's why my heart sinks when there's a knock on the door when there should not be a knock on the door. But our lives can change in an instant. But I'm telling you this morning, folks, if your soul is saved by the grace of God, none of those things can touch it. You're safe into your career this morning. You are, you are in a place of safety where God can take care of you. And as we read to you in Psalms, a little that a righteous man hath. But what are these people that are looking for the wealthy things to do? Let's read the fourth verse of Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 4 says this. He became with poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent... Maketh rich. What do we believe today that work is the key to wealth? Now, you may say, well, preacher, you're sitting there talking about wealth and things that we can have in life and what they mean to us. I will, I will agree to this. In the secular world or in our economy today, the harder you work, the more you're successful you are going to be. Let me ask you this. What about if you work hard to work on your relationship with God? What about if we worked hard about God and our relationship, studying His Word, praying over His Word, and being diligent in the Word of God, but we think that these things are just going to automatically happen? I heard a saying a long time ago. You heard this too. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Get rich quick schemes. Oh, they're all about they're all about us. You get these, these these phone calls all the time about how you're going to get rich and you're going to get rich without having to do anything or anything. It just happens. All you got to do is forward this to seven people and you're going to get rich in life, folks. There's a lot of people that think that their salvation is just like that. It's nothing more than just a mere decision. I'll tell you this: getting saved is much more than something you'll ever do with your mind. It's something you'll do with your heart. It's about getting to a place in your life where you say, God, I have a need in my life that only you can give me. And in that fourth verse, it says, the, the, He hath become poor that dealeth with the slack hand. The hand of the diligent maketh rich. You know, our, our world today tells you the more you work, the more you should get paid. Does that apply to church in our, work, in our relationship with God? Do we really think that we get to a point, God, the more work I do for you, the more you should give me, folks. If you are saved, I'm going to say this for you. God has already given you more than you deserve. 
God is good to us. We are rich this morning. We have prosperity. Quality versus quantity. A lot of people don't want a lot of good stuff. They just want a a, a lot of these things along the way, folks. There's nothing any better than having peace with God this morning. And he talks about how the the, the working hand and what it does and how it prospers. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Skip on down to the 15th verse of that chapter. What do the wealth do? The rich man's wealth is his strong city. In other words, look at what he puts his confidence in. He he puts his, his, his trust in these things. But the rich man's wealth is the strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Today, it's important that we realize is that God brings us to a place of poverty in our life so that we can see that we have needs that God might provide what it is we stand in need of. And this morning, do you believe that God has something that that, that we are standing in need of that God wants to supply to us? Because as we read to you there in the very beginning, and I'm going to go back and read that verse to you one more time. For I know both how to abase and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Going back to what we read to you there in the book of Psalms, for it says, he talks about how that the righteous man hath better than the riches of many wicked. You know, a lot of people think that what their little is is not very much. That what their little is is not a lot of prosperity in their life. But I'll tell you this. I'd rather have a little of God than a lot of the world. I'd rather have a little of the goodness of God than I would all the prosperity that this world has to lay in front of you. The world has this all figured out. This is how you do it, folks. God's had a plan long before our economy come up with this is how you prosper. This is how you become successful. Folks, God's had a plan for a long time. We've just got to abide by that. When you take inventory of your life today, are you a blessed individual? Do you have more or do you have quality versus the quantity of things? That the quality of what you have is far greater than the numbers of what you have. Churches, I wish they would ask themselves that all the time. You can have memberships by the tens of thousands and I'm not against the tens of thousands of people. But I'll tell you, I'd rather have quality versus quantity. People that are truly, genuinely desiring to serve God. It's not just a box that we check off saying, Well, I got up and I went to church today, folks. When you become a spectator, you're going to leave just as hungry as you came. But God doesn't want us to be spectators. He wants us to be a part of it. Folks, the temple was not meant to be admired from the outside and to be holding, which it was a beautiful thing. But it was just as beautiful, if not more so, on the inside. Folks, God wants us to be a part of His work. But yet we want to stand back and say, well, this looks good or that looks good. and I've got this, but you're sure doing good over there, folks. May God keep us a part of His plan, His purpose, in His reason or life, so that we too might be able to say, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many. What are these many that they had? For a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many. The answer pretty much is is simple to you and I today. Jesus tells us don't lay your treasures up on this earth where thieves can break through and steal and moth can corrupt it. He said you're supposed to lay these things up in heaven. Jesus also teaches us and he reminds us that, uh, that it's important for us today to realize that what does it profit a man that if he gain the entire world but he loses his own soul? 
What is it today that we are exchanging for our soul? I will say this. May churches always be cautious that we don't change the gospel, a soul-saving, glorious gospel. May we not change that for the mere idea that we might get more people to come. People want to say, well, let's change it. Let's try to, let's try to get more uh, creative in our society today where, where more will come in, folks. Let's go back to what we said in the beginning. It's more important about quality than quantity. What would have the New Testament church said? Well, they don't have to all be saved. Let's just try to, let's just play the math. If we can get a thousand people saved and 10% of them are really saved, then we've got a lot of people saved. I hope that there's 100% people saved. I don't want somebody to miss out. For if you fall in that 90%, what a devastating it would be for you to open your eyes in hell because of deception. What would it be for you to open your eyes saying that you've been misled, that you've been led astray, and you've not come to the knowledge of the truth? But thanks be unto God today that a, the church today is still proclaiming the ways and the paths of Jesus. Repent or you are going to perish. That's where we become rich, not in the things of the world. And now don't get me wrong, I'm not against things that, that, that people do, and, and I love for us to do these things. But the truth is today, nothing becomes more important than the preaching of the gospel. Now all these other things are great, and I, I'm not, I love those things, but may we never replace, may we never think that there's anything more important than the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. For in the book of Psalms it says, A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. You know, a lot of people are, are hanging their, their, their bags, you might even say, or putting their hats on the, the idea of, that if I have a lot, that that must mean that everything's good between me and God. You know what? The Bible, Luke chapter 16 is a prime example. You've got one that had everything and you've got one that had nothing. Matter of fact, he'd reduced down to begging. That's what he'd done. He'd got down to begging. But you had a rich man that had everything, but when they died, do you notice how their roles reversed? All of a sudden, that the rich man that had everything, that in hell, he became a beggar. And the beggar, when he went to heaven, he was completely satisfied. You know why? Because he had a little in this life, but when he was truly rich, when he did inventory, because he had a belief and a relationship with Jesus. Today, when you do inventory of all the things that you have in your life, you know what the devil's going to say and the world's going to say? Well, you're missing this, but this is how you get it. You're missing this, but this is how you get it. You, need, you can accomplish this. This is how you get it. Folks, today, I hope that there is nothing more important than a relationship with Jesus. The world will tell you you need this and this and this and this. And they outline it. Not only do they tell you what you need, they tell you how to get it. My question always is, at what cost? What cost do we attain the things that we think that we want? At what cost do we have the things that we can accomplish, the things that are there? And the psalmist said, a little that a righteous man hath. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked Today do we realize that our prosperity comes from what God has given us? Matthew chapter 5. I want to skip to the Sermon on the Mount for just a minute. Remember what I read to you in the beginning as you're turning to Matthew chapter 5? I'm going to reread Philippians 4 and 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed to be full and to be hungry. How is that possible? To both abound and to suffer need. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor 
Not in the flesh, poor in the spirit. Let's read this again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They're not doing the trending things. They're not worried about what's popular or all the things that are the going social media things. These are people that are spiritually poor. You and I might look at that verse and think, how awful is it to be spiritually poor? Folks, that's a place you got to get to before you can get filled up. You've got to be empty before God can give. In other words, if the new furniture's coming in the house, you know what you got to do with the old furniture? You got to get it out. Sometimes we get sentimentally attached to those things, but we realize if there's something coming in, we got to get out. And you know what? The best thing we can ever do in our life is evaluate God. What are the things that we can shed? You know what's amazing? I've, I've, I've been intrigued by this, and I'm going to read this verse again in a minute. I've been intrigued by minimalist. You know what a minimalist is? A person that just gets by with things that are just bare necessities. I love reading their theories. They want to say clothing. You take it and you turn a hanger back, and if you don't wear it in a year, and that clothes hanger hasn't been turned around, get rid of the clothes. Then they talk about books, if you have books. And they talk about all these things and how you, you can purge all these things. But everything comes down to how much you use it and how useful it is. Let me ask you this. How useful is God to you? How much do you use God? Is God one of those that would qualify that we do not use Him or He's not important? So therefore, let's set Him aside. Folks, may God always be the front and center of our life that everything else can go, but we need God. Minimalists are going to shed all these other things out. And sometimes I want to be like that, get rid of the stuff in my house. You may not have stuff in your house, but i got stuff in my house. But we start evaluating what's important, what's not important. What can we get rid of and what can we make room for? Today, folks, there should always be room for God. Man, when something's important, we'll make room for it. For blessed are the poor in spirit. You know who the poor are? These are people that have come to a point and a place in their life where they are beggars. The word we came up with not long ago was abject poverty. And what that means is these are people that are so poor that they're actually feeling the hunger from their starvation. I wonder what it's like for a hungry person in the world that knows this is that the Americans throw away, was it 300 and something million pounds of food every day? What is that like? What would it be like to be starving of food and yet there are people throwing away that much food? What would it be like for those that are bearing of children only to see the abortion numbers rise and people that, that do not want these things? And the list goes on and on. What would it be like for the person that is confined to their chair and they cannot get up, but yet there's a person that's sitting there and they, they choose not to arise from the bed of which they're in? What would it be like to, to have a desire for something but cannot have it? You and I today, do we find ourselves in a category wishing that we had the things of the world or are we perfectly content with how things are? I'll tell you this. If you're content with how things are, just wait to heaven. You will be content in heaven. We will be content about what God's given us. And when these people have reduced to begging, true beggars today are not going to say, well, who's eat off that or whose fingers touched that or what kind of kitchen was it made out of? If a person's hungry, they don't care. They're going to eat it. Look at the level of poverty that's happened here. Remember what Paul said in Philippians? He said, I know about how to, to, to abound and to be abased. He talks about, I know both ends, how to be hungry and also how to be filled. For blessed are they, the poor in spirit. For he says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, what does that mean, the kingdom of heaven? He didn't mean that they're going to have the kingdom of heaven in this life. They're going to have the kingdom of heaven in their hearts. The kingdom of heaven is in their soul. So when we talk about all these riches today, is it riches because of what we drive? Is it riches today because of where we live? Is it riches today because of positions we have? Is it riches today because of all these things? Or is it riches because who rules and reigns in our life? That's what we talk about. He said, the person that's rich in life is the one that has the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit rules and reigns in their life. Who is in control? We like to say, who's in charge in your house? The Spirit of God is. Who rules in your house? The Word of God does. We have these ideas and these theories about who's in charge. I'll tell you this. The ultimate answer should be God is. When God is, we become rich. But we want things and we desire these things. But he's teaching us not to desire that. For he said, for those that that are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to read to you, if I may, in the book of Ephesians. (coughs) Chapter 2 for just a minute. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to begin reading in verse 8. We're going to see here that there's a mentioning about those that had lacking in their life. And I say lacking, people that had needs in their life. But do you have a need here this morning? You, you may say, well, preacher, I'm saved. I don't have anything. Well, what a wonderful place to be. Let's read if we can here. Beginning of verse 8. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says this. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Now, notice the condition of some. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, a day in the rearview mirrors, we might say, he said, there was a time in your life when you were a Gentile. Now, a Gentile, remember, there's Jews and there's Gentiles. Jews are those of the the family of God, those of the lineage, and those that belong to God. Everybody else was considered a Gentile. Spiritual Jews, Gentiles. You got the saved and the unsaved. He said, you got those that are, he said, do you remember when there was a time where you were a Gentile and you were an outsider? You felt like you were poor? Let's read this again. Remember, wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision... By that which is called the circumcision, the flesh, made by hands. That at that time, not now, but at that time in your life, ye were without Christ. Man, do I remember that time in my life. Do I ever remember a time in my life when I would sit in church and I would absolutely... Hurt because those people had something I didn't have. He said, do you remember when that used to be who you were? When you were poor? When you didn't have anything? He said, do you remember that? He said, that ye being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, you were strangers from the covenants of promise. He said, you had no hope without God in the world. Oh, can I stand before you this morning and tell you, I remember those times in my life. 
When I used to sit there and I used to not have what other people had. When I didn't have that joy. I didn't have that peace in my life. When I had maybe more quality of things, not quantity. What I had was not good. Notice what, what the, the, the condition is talking about here. He said that you were once the Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision. There was things in our life that we had to, to purge. And then he talks about how that we were just unwelcome. We were alienated there, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. He said you were strangers from the covenants of promise. You know, those people had a relationship with God. Those people, and I say those people, the same people that were members of the church, when they would come together every Sunday, they would worship Him. They had a relationship with Jesus that I didn't have. And you know what? I could tell a difference. I was poor and they were rich. I couldn't understand why those people were so happy and content in their life but we would call them dirt poor by our standards but the truth was it's not because of what they had it's because of who they had what they had was not important who they had was everything to them what's the most important thing to you and to me today they were strangers of the covenants of promise having no hope Man, that's probably the worst condition anybody here could be in today. You don't have a hope where you're going to spend eternity at. They were without God in the world. That's what happened to those today. They were in a, a condition, he says, that at that time you were without Christ. At that time you were being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope without God in the world. But aren't you glad that's not the end of the chapter, the end of the story? For let's keep reading for just a minute. I'm going to hush in a minute. But now in Christ Jesus. He said, now you that were poor, you that didn't have something in your life, who were sometimes, which what you means at one time in your life, aren't you glad you're not where you used to be if you're saved? Anybody else agree with that? I do. Sometimes we're far off, made nigh. But how were you made nigh? By the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There was a divide, and he said, he removed it. He removed it, why? So that we can go from hungry to being filled. He moved it so that we might, in the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 4, that we might go from, from being abased to abound. You know what a lot of people today, they're abased. They're empty. They're needing. But there's a wall there. They can't get to the other side. But I want to tell you something about Jesus. I believe with all within inside of me, when he died on the cross, he tore down the wall to give you access to having your life filled. But the question is, just because the wall's down, what do you have to do then? You can imagine it. There's a wall between you and me today, and all of a sudden that wall is tore down. You got to cross the wall. You got to cross that threshold where it was. Today we've got to cross over and see what God has provided for us. And I'm going to tell you something by personal experience, folks. When you get saved, He'll make you satisfied and content. You'll not worry about the quantity anymore. You'll be thankful for the quality by what you have. Do you have something that's real and pure and genuine? If not, the question then becomes, why not? The fault does not lie within what God has provided. He's already torn the wall down. 
but it's are you seeking after that? Today, may God bless you. I want us to get a song if we could.